Welcome back to another episode of Thrivex Drive Musician Podcast, a weekly podcast where we dive into the personal development, bring practical tools for all your musicians to implement into your personal and professional life, help musicians to grow, glow, and thrive. I'm excited to bring today's guest, Dr. Anna, to discuss the topic on burnout and to discover the ways to prevent and recover from it, and how to be compassionate to yourself and heal ourselves through accepting our feelings. And we will also talk about her new online course on practice method. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the show. Today's guest, Dr. Anna Aline Morton. She just completed her PhD in violin performance at Melbourne University Conservatorium of Music last year. The dissertation topic she wrote was on Britain Violin Concerto, which she performed with the University of Melbourne Symphony Orchestra in 2016 as the winner of 2015 NCM Concerto Competition. As a beauty and tutorial YouTuber, Anna has over 90,000 subscribers. For the past two years, she started. Is sharing more of her life journey, being vulnerable and resilient through her mental health battle. She has just launched her online music business and released an online course sharing an incredible, efficient practicing method called the Hip Method. Let's welcome Dr. Anna Aline Morton. Cool. Okay, so let's maybe just jump into it. So I know that last year you just got. Your PhD. Yeah, let's start from your life、mm. before the YouTube and how something that's led you into wanting to do this YouTube. Oh wow! Okay, that was actually way back in my masters. Ah,、uh-huh. yeah. So back in New Zealand is when I started my channel、uh, in 2013. It's been a long time. I've had it for a while.、Um, well, I'm someone that has always had to have like something else on the side of my music. Like I think just my whole life when I was younger. Um, it was very much like I did dancing on the side of music, so I was like,、oh. did my violin lessons, learnt violin, did music, but then I also was like a dancer and did dance competitions and kind of love. I've always loved having that sort of variety. I guess multiple creative outlets.、Um, and then when I was, I dropped dance after a while to kind of focus on music, but of course I I had to find another thing to like <laughs> channel some of that extra creative energy into. So. Um, I yeah, I I actually got into composition for a while as well during my undergrad and or like later high school years. So that was kind of where some of my other creative energy went.、Um, and then I literally with YouTube, I I just sort of stumbled across it. Just you know, as you do, you're like, oh, there's a beauty community here. Oh, what is this? And then suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. And like, I've always loved makeup and beauty things because of my sort of dancing background.、Um, we'd always wear like bright red lipstick and false eyelashes and stuff when I was like ten, like performing on stage and that. So I was always very like into makeup and loved that sort of thing. And I just like discovered the community and thought it was so fun. Um, and it was just one of those things where I was like, I want to do it too. So I just、yeah. started, and you know, like it was never meant to be a thing that became sort of part of my career, I guess, in a way. But it just was like a hobby.、Mm-hmm. But I sort of stuck with it over the years, and then now it's sort of yeah, quite a big part of my life now. So <laughs> yeah, that's great.、Um, yeah. yeah, I know. Like I have to. You know, really look at some of your tutorial stuff because I need to learn better. Yeah, I, I, I nowadays though, like it's funny. I don't, I don't even think I call them tutorials anymore. Like when I'm putting makeup on, it's less about like technique and teaching people. It's more just like let's chat about beauty stuff, but like catch up. It sort of started as like being really interested, really, in like 
makeup and the products and applying it and technique. And then it sort of became more like, this is just fun, just to have something to connect with people over. So I definitely like don't think of myself as mm -hmm. an expert in applying makeup. I can do it on myself really well. I can do it on my own face. Uh, so now I, I kind of call them like makeup play dates and it's more like just a fun thing to sit there and have fun with makeup and chat to my subscribers. So that's yeah. very nice. <laughs> People seem to still learn things, but yeah, yeah. I, I bet. I definitely learn a lot. I see that how fun it is. I like how, you know, in the, initially it was a hobby for you, but mm -hmm. I know when it become almost like a business, like you are committed mm -hmm. to doing that more often, it's commitment. So when you have other things yeah. going on, especially as musicians. So that's what I really want to lead into is that, you know, how you were mm. managing to, you know, do, yeah. you know, PhD, dissertation, everything while having this YouTube going on. Yeah, as soon as it started to become something a bit more than a hobby, it, the expectations of like how often you should upload and like the kinds of content you should be uploading, like definitely, I started to like put those, I guess, on myself because no one puts them on, like on you really. It's just a like a thing you kind of do. Um, I mean, there was definitely a trend in the beauty community to be like more uploads, the better, like upload as often as you can. That's how you like can grow. And I kind of wish now, like looking back, maybe I hadn't done that as much and just focused a little bit more on like quality over quantity because I definitely like burnt myself out trying to like build this channel, but also do a PhD and like, you know, it was insane. Um, so yeah, I don't regret at all like having my channel and growing it, but I just wish I'd been a bit more mindful, I guess, of how I got there because definitely contribute part of my sort of burnout to just myself, my own like perfectionism, pushing myself. Mm -hmm. um, and that tends to happen as soon as something switches from being just a fun hobby to being like, oh, this is now part of my job. Like I'm earning money through it. So I've got to like, you know, actually show up and commit and do things that I say I'll do. And it's like, you're right, when the gigs start pouring in as well, then you like feel overwhelmed. And there was one point I remember getting up at 5 a.m. every day just to like edit the videos in the morning and then mm. go off to uni. And you know, it was just yeah. not good, burning the candle at both ends, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm noticing that you have two YouTube channels. The other one that more music doesn't really have a lot of subscribers. Mm -hmm. Seems like our actually classical music channels always have less attraction. It's just very interesting how when you as a musician, but you do something on the side that is completely different and yeah. all of a sudden they blow up on in the internet. But then when you actually, you know, playing something you want to share, but then not really a lot of people yeah. come and watch. I think there's just, a, it's a different culture around like subscriber culture, I guess. So with music, take an example like Two Set Violence. So they, yeah, they're classical musicians, but they're YouTubers and they've created an entertainment YouTube yeah. channel that just so happens to be about classical music and violin. Whereas my Morton Music channel that we've got there, that's really just a place for us to upload mm -hmm. uh, more long form performances if we have them. I've sort of said to my subscribers, like, don't expect. Mm -hmm regularity or you know we've only got two videos so far it's just literally like oh we can want to put this performance somewhere that's a good place for it um but yeah no i agree like with beauty content and lifestyle content which i'm sort of transitioning a bit more into sort of just general lifestyle now i think it's easier to form a connection with your viewers in those sorts of genres i guess because you're kind of talking with your viewers and you, they relate to you in that level but like performing on a stage with your instrument people might really enjoy your performance but they're not going to then go oh i feel so connected to this person i want to like subscribe and watch all this stuff i mean unless you <laughs> blew them away but i don't know for me too with when i look up youtube for like oh i need to like listen to how this piece goes yeah i'll just like 
type it in, click, nice. And I don't think about subscribing to that person's channel because it's just not how I use the platform for classical music listening. I noticed this at the start of the pandemic. A lot of my friends were like, help me get my channel to a thousand subscribers because then I can monetize my channel. And, you know, this is way we can get through. And I was thinking, no, (laughs) like it's a like to actually earn money through youtube you actually need to have like a decent amount of views regularly it's you've got to think about your music as more of a business where your youtube videos that you put up are lead generations for what you offer so if you offer private music lessons if you're trying to just create a strong brand for your you know if you're a concert pianist and you're like i want to get known for this you put out that content so people go like it creates authority for what you do, but it's not about like this video is going to go viral and I'm going to get tons of money. Um, that's that's only really if you're making like regular entertaining content for an audience. Um, yeah, I, I see. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a different strategy. Yeah. It's like every business should have a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. but don't expect the YouTube channel to make a lot of money. It's going to drive very targeted niche traffic to what you offer. Um, whether that be online music mm-hmm. lessons or, you know, like in our case, course, a course that we've put out. Like, so there's, that's the purpose of, of that, of having a channel rather than like growing big thousands yeah. of subscribers and, you know, living off AdSense. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny because my other YouTube channel was initially started as a vegan channel. Oh, cool. Also as a hobby. Yeah. I made a crazy noodle challenge video, which blew up on <laughs> there. amazing. And so my, my friends is like, you should put that one and like, you know, advertise it. Yeah. Like I definitely plug my own Morton Music stuff to my subscribers because there's a good chunk of people that follow me because they've either musicians currently or they maybe did music in their past. Like there's that small connection there. That's just, it's just a place to host that more long form content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. So I am actually right now doing my dissertation. (laughs) Oh, so you're in the thick of it. How many years in? So many years. I've actually battled a lot of my mental issues. Yeah. From my first year into the doctoral program, I just started to having issues. Now I finally grew out of it. Yeah. But as the pandemic hits, it was right after my competitions. So I thought it was a perfect chance for me to start my dissertation. But I actually didn't really quite do anything. And I was just stay at home and watching Chinese dramas. <laughs> Love it. As I know that you watch like yeah, Game of yeah. Thrones. <laughs> like, but I was binging. Yeah on like you know a whole entire season yeah. of them that's okay i feel like we need to be okay with that like just make the banana bread yeah. you know like people need to just take that time like this is not normal pandemics aren't normal <laughs> yeah we need a time to adjust for totally. sure mm. yeah the ones once i finally like was like okay i made a decision i wanted to put a deadline right there for my mm-hmm. proposal but that is also when i did a little bit of life coaching and nice. started thinking about I really wanted to help people more and yeah. in a way that just more than violin lessons. But having that podcast and YouTube and on the side of my dissertation, I just noticing very, very hard to manage both sides. Yeah. It, it's the multi-hat issue. <laughs> people want to hear that it's super easy to kind of just, you live a really multifaceted life, but I think it's about, it's about balance. Um, you can't possibly do all the things equally or you can't specialize necessarily in one thing uh and that's something that like kind of the reason why i'm moving my channel a little bit more lifestyle is so that i can just focus a bit more on my music and just allow that to be a bit because that started to get just pushed down by how much i was doing with the online 
social media work and it was actually in the pandemic as soon as it hit because we're New Zealand citizens living in Australia so we actually don't get support here especially because of our line of work being freelance Mm. we got no government support for like the sudden loss of income with gigs and such so I kind of panicked and started making like a hectic load of content (laughs) but then it was like sort of six weeks in and I was like I've lost the joy from it having to do it as my like full-time job and I missed my music and investing my time in that so it kind of made me be like okay I have to like reassess this and just cut back go back to it being a bit more of a hobby that can still support us a bit but like really start investing my time again back to my music yeah I just I got the balance all wrong but it is something you have to be aware of that it's not like you can't what I tried to do in my PhD was do everything full bore like full capacity and that I burnt myself out so I definitely contribute a lot of my own decisions to like the decline of my mental health like obviously there were other things that come into it the isolation of general postgraduate study anyway can be really hard but I certainly just didn't show myself enough self-compassion and I just pushed myself too hard and then I burnt out and then I'd get depressed from having no energy from being burnt out and that would it was just like a cycle then that was really hard to get out of so I guess because I had that experience like it was sort of 2017 2018 that I really went through all that last year I kind of took a sabbatical like after I submitted I was Mm -hmm. my husband was on contract with an orchestra so he was like keeping us afloat and I was able to just like have a few months of like kind of chill and just not do a lot so I kind of I guess what you did in that month like you just like did nothing yeah I needed that because I'd been in an institution for like 10 years like studying and I was just like over it and needed a break and needed like time just to recuperate I guess my advice is just like you either have to be okay with the fact that you can't pour 100% into everything so you've got to look at it as like my time and energy is 100% so how do I divide it so for me now it's a bit more like 80% music 20% YouTube Mm -hmm. because I've gone back to like one video a week which is really sustainable I still get to enjoy it so catch up with my followers but it's just like it just allows me so much more time to invest into Morton music and into my own practice and I feel like I finally got that balance back again yeah so just be okay like be realistic I guess with what you can do really and what's sustainable it might be sustainable for three weeks but then you'll burn out so it's about thinking long term what do I what can I actually do realistically now I'm already starting to feel that a little bit how was the experience with you know finding that burnout and then to be able to actually recover yeah Like during my PhD, so 2017, 2018, that's when I went through my like hardest period mentally. Um, And I do, I would call it a burnout that I ignored and tried to push through. And then it kind of developed into like pretty bad anxiety and depression from that. I think the initial stage of burnout doesn't mean you're like suddenly going to like get depressed. And it's just sort of like, it's a warning sign almost. That feeling of exhaustion and like um, low mood. It's a warning that if you keep going on that path, that things could get worse for you. So I kind of ignored it and tried to push through just because of the hustle culture that was so rampant at that time like I feel like a few years ago it was all like you know hustle hard work hard you know and I just sort of got a bit sucked into that how you were able to actually recover from the burnout oh yes first and foremost I went and had counseling I had to go see a professional um because there were some issues like part of the reason I got burnt out is I had really bad boundaries so I often said yes to like everything particularly at uni and I had some people at my uni that kind of took advantage of that a little bit like they were would be like oh Anna want, like, is happy to do anything here here's this other ensemble you're gonna play in and here's this other chamber you know and it was a wee bit like I did so many extracurriculars and things and that was just yeah stemming from some stuff in my past that caused me to be a bit like that so I needed to like address that and learn how to be like actually okay to say I'd love to but I can't 
right now. Like this is my priority and just learn how to say no, basically. Um, Cause again, that yes culture became such a thing. Like say yes to every opportunity, like go hard. I just yeah. had to learn to say no after a while. And that's, so that helped me to put up boundaries for what like, I needed and to know that that's mm-hmm. not a selfish thing. And that like, just because I'm on scholarship doesn't mean I have to do everything, you know? Cause that's something that often gets held over your head. Like that's what I felt anyway. Yeah. So uh, also I just had some really good support cause it was all kind of tied up in my PhD. I feel like that work, like it was kind of like once I handed it in, things really started to lift anyway. Um, so I think it was just like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was really actually cut out to do a PhD, but I managed yeah. to get through it. <laughs> got through in the end with a lot of support. Yeah. <laughs> support is definitely important. Yeah. I got a lot of support from my professors and friends. Hey guys, speaking of healthy coping skills in therapy, let me take a minute to talk to you about Skillshare, an online learning community for creators around the world. They offer thousands of classes from arts, crafts, to productivity tools, lifestyle, and even classes on art therapy and therapeutic art journaling. I have been using Skillshare and rediscovered my little hobby in illustration as a fun and calming tool for my self-care. Doesn't matter if you like drawing, painting, or house gardening, Channel our creative energy elsewhere can be a therapeutic tool for any musicians. You can also learn about marketing, building better website, drive more traffic to your music business. It would be a game changer. Only $7 a month, you can have unlimited access to their platform. And my referral link you can find in the description offers you a two months free premium Skillshare. So you can learn any topics and skills you want for two entire months without any charges. If you are considering signing up for their membership, I also have a link for 30% off their annual subscription. You can cancel it anytime with a single click. But those skills and hobbies that you learned will for sure serve you for a lifetime. So please follow the links in the show notes to claim your two-month free trials or 30% off their annual subscription. This will let Skillshare know that I sent you and will really help support this podcast. Now let's dive back into our conversation with Dr. Arnon. PhD. Okay, it seems not that hard. And when we got into it, it's just mm. like, ugh. I know. Like, and I remember doing my master's and being like, what's well, just a much longer master's? No, it's just like a whole other level of, like, depth. Instead of just, like, going up a level, like, double the work or triple the work, it's, like, 30 times the work. Like, it's it's the complexity of it that is hard to deal yeah. with. Yeah. And the isolation. Like, it's a very lonely process research. So I truly believe that universities don't do enough to support their graduate students on, like, a mental level. It was evident that I was struggling. I lost like a heck of a lot of weight in a short time. And like people could see that I wasn't in a good place, but there's like these policies in place where they're not allowed to even ask. Clearly I was not in a good place and I needed support. And there was, it was almost like it was too PC to ask or step in, but like, Yeah, I was curious, Mm. how was the Australian culture or the uni, you know, for these graduates? Mm. I think it's probably better than the US. As far as I've heard in the US, it's it's even more sort of intense and there's more expectations. I mean, the PhD program in Australia is a little bit more diluted than overseas. We don't have some of those extra like, like you have like extra things you kind of have to do on the side, like exams and things or? Um, You don't have an exam for like, you know, the qualifying exam to go into writing the dissertation? No, literally we had like a confirmation seminar. So I had to deliver after my first year, I had to deliver a seminar talking about what I've sort of researched so far and where my research was going to go. And then you're officially not on probation anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you're officially in your PhD candidate then. I guess it's kind of like a mini defense. So like I had questions from the panel then and had to answer them, but but it felt, it was pretty chill. Like it was a, a very positive experience. I was still nervous about it, but I, I do hear about the defense thing panel from 
American PhD students and I'm like, I'm so thankful we don't have that here. So like if you want a slightly more cruisy ride, then I think Australia's the way to go. (laughs) But my my supervisor though, he's American. So that was kind of, yeah, he was like, oh, you're going to do this and do that as well because, you know, that's what we do in the US. And it's like, well, we don't actually have to do that here, but okay. (laughs) Well, yeah, we actually have it longer. So I feel like here um, in America, Mm. like a lot of us, Sometimes don't really have ideas when you start really writing the dissertation. That's when, you know, your professor Mm -hmm. will say, hey, start thinking about the topics. Oh, so what do you do for the first part? (laughs) A lot of coursework. Just a lot of coursework. See, we don't do coursework. Like, we just don't do coursework. All I had to do was write my dissertation and do my performances. That's why you can do it in three years. I took four because I did extracurriculars and also got pretty (laughs) depressed. (laughs) So things took longer, yeah. (laughs) I think that's also part of the imposter syndrome I've always felt a bit as well. It's like, is my PhD even legit? I don't know. It just always feels a bit like, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I saw one of your videos we were talking about that. You're like, I'm just faking the third. (laughs) I feel that too. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, do I really know all of these? You know, like, have we now feel a little better? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I haven't really thought about it much for a while. Mm. So do you think the thoughts were more frequent when you're doing the PhD? Yeah, definitely. Like I took, my decline in mental health during that time was very much like it was a combination of things that sort of caused it, but particularly that, that sense of like, I'm a fraud. What am I doing here? Like, is my research even relevant? Like, yeah. why, should, why should people care? You know, it was that sort of thing. Because it was very, my PhD was so personal mm-hmm. and extremely... It was about me and my development as a musician. And that just feels like, what am I contributing? But actually, once I did pass that, it's when I was like, okay, it's good. It was worth it. And they, they agree that this is relevant and adds to the literature. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just at the time, it felt quite meaningless. Like, I'm yeah. like, people are out there, like, trying to cure cancer. And I'm writing about myself playing the violin. Uh, yeah, I felt, yeah, a lot of that fraud, mm-hmm. imposter syndrome. I definitely think you're not alone because no. <laughs> I, I, I feel that a lot and I, that's yeah. why I feel like we should be able to talk about it. And I, yeah. I hope that a lot of people who are listening just not really feel mm. that way. I feel this and I'm yeah. the only one. Yeah. I guess now I understand that like it's not about you. Like now my dissertation can contribute to like showing people a unique way to interpret music. Like I've grown so much as a musician and being able to get deeper in that way so then I can contribute more through my art to the world. So now I can see the value in it, but I think at the time it was really difficult to, to see that. Mm. So You think there's yeah. anything you can say back then to yourself that can actually help you not think that way? That you'll actually get through this and you'll pass. Like, it's okay, <laughs> keep going. Because <laughs> at the time I didn't know. <laughs> so I heard you talked about your bullet journaling. Mm-hmm. And does that really help your... Um, project management or time management. Yeah, um, I went through a stage where I was a bit of an over planner, though. It was like procrastinating, as I call it. Back then, yeah, before I got into the digital way of things, I'd use it yeah, as my diary, my schedule, and I'd like time block out. The problem I faced often was, say, Sunday, I'd get this burst of inspiration, being like, "This week's going to be the best week. I'm going to fit everything in. I'm not. It's going to be great. I'm so excited." Mm-hmm. And I'd block out my week. Then Monday morning, I'd like wake up and I'd feel not in a good space. And then if I missed, if I got behind on my work in that morning or when you're depressed, it's really hard to get the motivation to do things. So then I would feel bad about being behind on my work, which would make things worse. And then I'd get anxious about the fact that I'm not getting through everything in the week. And then I'd uh, spiral. Like it would be like, I had no resilience back then. So even just this, it was like, I was so fragile that if I felt like I was failing at like one thing or something didn't quite go right, I'd just crumble. 
Whereas now, like, if I get behind, I'm like, it's okay. I can push that yeah. to tomorrow. Like, it's just, I've just got so much more resilience now. I needed to show myself so much more self-compassion back then. I wish I had been kinder to myself. Realized that, yeah, trying to pump out, like, multiple videos a week on YouTube while trying to do a PhD, while holding down, like, a part-time job to support yourself, it's just too much. Like, stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just be easy on yourself. But instead, I'd, like, yeah. beat myself up for not being on it and that didn't help yeah as you said like what would I tell myself probably just to be a little bit more self-compassionate because beating yourself up just doesn't help but in the space at the time that's what you do as like you know I experienced a lot of depressions before and uh, and I feel like the mental illness is actually what you're being really harsh on yourself and beating yourself up and starting to getting into that kind of mind mental space yeah so then the depression comes from that is what you're saying yeah that's how I view it yeah. too um have you read the book Lost Connections no I think um can't remember the author's name but that's a brilliant book that I read during that hard time. I guess it just gives you a new perspective on how and why you're depressed. Like it makes you realize that, oh, maybe I don't just have some random Mm -hmm. chemical imbalance in my brain. Maybe it's actually situational and maybe I can actually change some things to help myself at least feel a little bit better. Like you're not completely helpless in this. I certainly needed a lot of support from friends to like get to that point. But it's like, as soon as I made an effort to just stop beating myself up, change that sort of mindset, it's so hard in the moment though like even today I still have some days where I'm just like you know and I've got to be like no be kind like I still have to remind myself it's never something that will like go away completely but I've certainly got better tools to deal with it making sure I'm getting enough sleep because if I'm sleep deprived nothing will help my mental health you know like that's the most first and foremost um, so it's called lost connections because he talks about how like often I mean it's really prevalent right now because we've all lost connection to each other so a lot of people a lot of young people are experiencing like a lot of mental health issues probably for the first time because they're suddenly disconnected from their friends and their workmates and you know having to be isolated and that's loss of kinship that is really hard to replace with digital form I mean that's an essential human need emotional need like we've got physical needs like water shelter all that food but then there's these emotional ones that if we don't have those we will then become unbalanced so it's not that like this balance just randomly occurs at least that's what the science is now mm-hmm. suggesting i i loved that because it, it gave me the sense there's power in me get through this and if i just change some circumstances like it is that thing of if you keep doing the same thing again and again and you expect yeah. things to get better then that's actually not going to happen you have to actually make some changes like if you if you're feeling lonely which a lot of depression just comes from mm-hmm. loneliness got to try and find a way to connect yeah. and at the moment it's really blimmin hard because we're all at home but you just got to do something the most you can do maybe you're not eating a nice balanced diet and that's you know that's causing you to to feel sluggish and lack of energy which then you know makes you feel bad because you don't have enough energy to do stuff like just eating more vegetables like you don't have to go on some extreme diet but just eat more vegetables <laughs> um mm-hmm. and and drink more water and like just those those healthy habits that we get told so many times and we go yeah yeah whatever but like they're actually they're important and if you do a few of those and start small just implement one for like a few weeks and once you're like cool i'm actually going to bed at a good hour then you can start to implement something else so it's not too much all at once yeah. not some big sunday morning life makeover because that's unsustainable again it's like small little changes and yeah mm-hmm. that's kind of what i did to like just haul myself out i just kept committing to trying to make small little changes like go to yoga like try and like you know just make these tiny little changes and eventually things just got a bit better and once you start to see that light then it gives you hope and then the hope kind of drives it but initially you have to just trust 
that this new process of going to bed early is going to be so much better for you in the long run than staying up on your phone and things like that so yeah Yeah. that's that's kind of like what i'm talking about this week on my youtube Mm. it's about sleep and i think it's also for the mental health as well because it's like you can see the declining of your mood i feel like sometimes it's not Mm. even just because the imbalance and if you go into a doctor Mm -hmm. they might say oh you know you might need me to take some pills you're depressed So I was just going to say, I'm not a medical doctor, (laughs) even though I'm a doctor, I'm not a medical doctor, but the States have a real problem with over-medicating and over-prescribing things. And I I do think at the very least, doctors should be suggesting alternatives to medication initially, like for things like mental health issues, like depression, anxiety, there are other things you can do. And again, I don't want to like step on anyone's toes. I don't want to give out like misinformation, but for many of us that suffer with more of a situational depression or anxiety, for me, I never went on meds because I just went and got therapy. Like, talk therapy worked for me. Look, it may not work for everyone either, but I think it's worthwhile trying it first. Just because, I was talking with my friend last night about this, actually. When you go on those kind of depression meds, then you, you numb out to the highs and the lows. So you might not be getting as down, but, like, you miss all the joy that comes with that. And, like, life is such a... I mean, you appreciate the highs more, in a way, when you've got the lows to balance it. I know that sounds really bad, but that's how I felt. Like, if I went on these, I was like, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss the highs. Because I still experience such beautiful amazing moments in my darkest times it was just that it was like <laughs> um yeah but I found as you say getting good quality sleep and actually putting myself first and learning to say no to things so I had time and energy allowed things to just I had less of the lows no <laughs> I don't want to like people to think that I'm like diagnosing like don't go on pills like if your doctor suggests yeah, it yeah 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 but I do I do agree like some people might be misdiagnosed they're actually just like lacking of sleep or not having a good like good lifestyle yeah i guess this book lost connections i think explores how it's almost like our behaviors and actions can then cause that change in the brain like so it's more like is it is it a symptom or is it the root cause and i'd suggest depression is really a symptom of an unbalanced mm-hmm. life there's something there's an issue in here you either don't have enough connection with people or you're working yourself too hard or like there's something out of balance here and being down or or perhaps being anxious or however it's being expressed yeah. it's really a symptom yeah. of an issue in your life rather than that is the thing like oh my brain's just decided to suddenly like mm-hmm. stop producing serotonin i mean i think for some people yeah. it just doesn't happen as much as it as yeah. it would seem like doctors would would diagnose women who've lost children like miscarriages like they'll be like mm-hmm. oh you've got depression now so here's some pills but it's like she's just lost a baby she's in grief like she's grieving like just support and is it right just to throw pills at someone just because they're in grief I mean I think a lot of people at the moment are struggling with grief because we're grieving the loss of the life we thought we'd have in 2020 and beyond and especially for us around this age of like emerging professionals we're going so when do we actually get to live our best adult life now like it's kind of like that's really hard so a lot of us a lot of my friends they're just grieving the loss of what we thought we'd have and that's that's okay I don't think we need to be medicated for that. But again, not a medical yeah. professional. <laughs> just <Yeah>. restate. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. I think, yeah, I think it reminds me of the book that I read uh, was Feeling Good. I also oh, forgot cool. the doctor. What's that name? So um, it's kind of like similar. It talked about like, you know, the momentum of like, you can actually think yourself to be feeling good. Yeah. Like you don't have to be like, everything's fine. And you don't have to like lie to yourself. That's actually can be just as detrimental. I think it's about just being like, like one thing that really, really helped me was just to be like, I'm feeling depressed. 
and that's okay. Yeah. Like just literally acknowledging it. I mean, like, that's okay. It's the same with like performance anxiety. I just go, oh, hello, old friend, you're back. You know, like I'm nervous, but this yeah. is fine. I'm used to you. You're here every time. So it's kind of like, I think a lot of people squash those yeah. awful feelings down and that's their like coping mechanism for it. Um, they're afraid to, if I acknowledge it, then I'll just become like, mm-hmm. I'll get even more depressed. But actually yeah. often it's for his this sense of clarity just to be like, I'm feeling down. I'm not feeling well. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And know that it's not permanent, so, right? Because if you, yeah. you always think that, oh, that's going to be forever. And that's kind of like a limit belief to yourself that you're, you already put on yourself like, okay, that's not going to get better. Yeah. But embrace that anxiety or embrace yeah. that depression. Yeah, and, and work through it, like, like sit in it so you can yeah. process it. You can't actually process grief or emotion without feeling it. And that's why numbing our symptoms with pills i just for myself personally i didn't want to do that (laughs) Um, it's the same reason like i just Mm -hmm. think pain is a useful thing it tells us that something's not right we just numb out the pain all the time and a lot of people do it with emotional pain by drinking and and resorting to different coping mechanisms you know we've all got our thing that we do to try and numb pain and in doing that we then can't feel it so we don't then acknowledge yeah. what's actually wrong but actually i think that's the healing power mm-hmm. that you're able to heal from yeah. but if you don't feel that then we cannot really actually heal it's no. basically yeah. covered up and eventually yeah. you have to go dig deep but that root will become yeah. deeper and deeper I agree with that you know as years pass by and then you carry that pain into like every other experience and it mm-hmm. starts to taint yeah all those experiences mm. yeah it's like the tree, right? Like, you know, the, the roots always goes deeper. And yeah. either you plant something good or you plant something not so good that mm. it can still grow. Yeah, yeah. weeds still grow. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, I think we, we dived pretty deep into the. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> I hope it's okay. As I say, not a medical doctor. Just want to put a yes. disclaimer. I'm always worried someone's going to. But yeah. yeah. Well, um, maybe just mention a little bit about like the hip method i was just curious about that yeah maybe i help sure. everyone else to understand and see the importance of that yeah so yeah so my husband and i he's a horn player and through our online music business morton music we've launched an online course it's called the hip method which stands for high intensity mm-hmm. interval practice and this is actually mostly based on philosophies from like high level industry professionals like Andrew Bain from the Los Angeles Philharmonic. He's the principal form there. You will have heard him mm-hmm. on Frozen, <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> um, but he, he taught Alex at the Australian National Academy of Music. Only once sort of Alex got to that really like elite sort of performance school that he was like, actually taught how to practice. And I know that sounds really funny because we think we all know how to practice. You just, you know, do it. But many of us, we haven't really questioned our practice methods. We haven't really thought, is this the most efficient and effective way I can do it? Uh, Am I making the most of my limited focus, limited time? Uh, And I think the answer usually is no. Like, I think we all do quite a bit of time wasting in our Mm -hmm. practice. So the method is, it's quite an intervallic method with lots of breaks, uh, but strategic breaks that will help to, basically helps to make the most of your limited focus that you have, especially in this day and age, like modern day and age with social media and that our capacity to stay concentrating on like a single task is really diminished 
finishing. Mm. So this helps to make the most of that time. It's also a method that will help you to make sure that the habits that you are strengthening in your practice are the ones you actually want to be pra- uh, like strengthening. Because every time you play your instrument, you're establishing a habit, regardless of if it's good or bad. Mm. And the most common thing I think is that we think we've practiced something really hard and then we get to an audition or a performance and we kind of like fall apart. Like I think we've all had that experience. We're like, why did they just not do it? Like I thought I practiced yeah. hard. Um, and it's often because we just haven't strengthened the right habits for performance in our practice in the most effective way. Mm-hmm. So this method, like it's based on a lot of sports psychology as well. So like athletes get this really premium training. They they get so much support in that regard. And I think musicians don't. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to take, I guess, the knowledge that Alex particularly learned. He him, like he went from just like not passing any auditions, just feeling like, oh, I'm working so hard and I just can't, you know, and then like kind of learned about the method, properly implemented it. Mm-hmm. And then like six months later, he'd passed like two casual auditions and like got a contract with Melbourne Symphony Orchestra and like his career just like so much faster. So just saw such rapid growth on his instrument and in his craft in such a short space of time. He hadn't experienced that before. And he's like, this is brilliant. Like we can totally, we need to get this out to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's basically the best way to think of it. It's a method for how to practice super efficiently and effectively. It will save you time, save you energy and help you to get you to your career goals faster. So so who you think you would suggest to? Uh, it's definitely for more the, the method and the course itself, the way the course is structured. It's a self-learning course, but with a community as well. So we have a Facebook page. It's private that mm. only course members get access to. So we can give extra support and like community there. But It's definitely for more upper intermediate to advanced students, just because you've got to have a bit of an understanding, I guess, of your instrument's basic fundamentals. And I think if you're a beginner, you'd, you might still find value in the course, but you definitely have to do it with uh, a teacher's sort of guidance. If you're intermediate to advanced, like absolutely, it'll change your life. <laughs> What do you think about professionals? I think professionals would benefit from it too, 100%. Yep. I think a lot of professionals might be like, I don't need that. But I think we can always learn new things. Like yeah. it's that growth mindset. Like there's something I mm-hmm. really admire, particularly my husband. He's always hungry to learn and he's not like ashamed to be like, yeah, I'm going to go have a lesson with this person. Still. Even though he's a, he's a working professional, but he's like, I want to keep growing. I want to keep getting better. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So it's time for some rapid fire question ones. Okay. Yeah. What is the strangest things you ever have eaten? The strangest thing I've ever eaten. All right. The first thing that popped into my head is one time I went to a fair, like a carnival, and I had hot chips and I wrapped them in candy floss. I like that. Yep. It's real good. Yeah. <laughs> it was so yummy because it's like sweet That, and salty. It's <laughs> oh yeah. Hot chips in Australia and New Zealand. That's like fries, French fries. We just call them chips. Everything's chips here. Oh, and candy floss. You guys call it something else too. Cotton candy. Yeah. But that's yeah. great. So... For Kiwis and Australians, it's hot mm-hmm. chips wrapped in candy floss. But for my American friends, it is French fries wrapped in cotton candy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very interesting. But I think sweet and salty is always a good combination. Yeah. What's your current favorite dish? My current favorite food is not as weird, uh, but it is another situation of kind of savory meat sweet. It's this roast butternut soup that I've been making. I really want to like write out a recipe for it. Ooh. It's got some secret ingredients in it. One of them being maple syrup, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Yep. So that gives it that little sweet moment. Roast butternut squash or butternut pumpkin as we call it here. Uh, it's got like carrots in it as well and like onion and then it's all bl- and garlic and it's all blended together. And then it's got sage butter and 
and sage leaves on top and yeah it's incredible like even my husband likes it and he doesn't normally like soup i can imagine the picture so, of the sage yeah. on top yeah just like nicely placed yeah yeah aesthetic yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i love sage it's like my favorite herb so you know going into our fall eventually mm. I, w- I will probably try that yeah, you definitely should like because we're in winter right now so mm-hmm. we're very much in the soup and yeah. the soup and stew life next question so if you could go anywhere where you would go in a world if only like the world wasn't in a pandemic where would i go i mean if i had the chance tomorrow like i would go back to new zealand to see my family um also because new zealand's beautiful mm. so like when travel does open up again definitely go to new zealand mm. but also i'm obsessed with denmark and anything danish and mm. scandinavian and i'd probably go back to scandinavia in general and spend the winter up in like i'd go back in like around christmas time and go up to lapland and across to iceland and see the northern lights and all that yeah so definitely want to do a scandinavian winter holiday but that might have to be at the end of 2021 (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's probably yeah it's gonna be a while so yeah for the next one where do you want to go if you can be invisible Ah, where would i go if i was invisible or what do you would do Hmm. probably right now i would go to the movies because they're all shut now but i could like sneak in because i'd be invisible (laughs) and there's no one because everything's a lockdown in melbourne so i should just go anywhere (laughs) i mean it's actually safe if you're just you yeah exactly and if i'm invisible they won't see me and i can just like put on any movie (laughs) steal the popcorn yeah Yeah, i'd probably do that i haven't been to the movies since like february Mm. so so okay so what's the biggest strength you think you have? Hmm. I would say, I'd, I'd say my resilience now. <laughs> I may not have always had it, but like now I think, I think I don't give myself enough credit for how hard I work. So yeah, maybe like hardworking, <laughs> dedicated kind of attitude, which can, it's like a bell curve. Like it's, it's good most of the time, but if it goes too far, then it can become like my worst. It's the same with like being very particular. Like it can mm-hmm. easily lead to like perfectionism, which is very detrimental, but like being really like thorough yeah. with stuff and that can be a good strength. So I guess my hardworking attitude for the most mm-hmm. part has gotten me a lot of my success in life. So yeah, I'd say that dedication. Like when I was not well at all, things like resilience, grit, determination, like it just, that had been weakened so much. It's okay if they're not back to like formal self, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a journey. It takes a long time. (laughs) You've got to continually work on it and like just protect it and check in with those sorts of things to make sure that they're still okay. Cause it can easily like go back. So, Mm -hmm. okay. I I found a question very interesting. I said, if your life was a novel and what would the title be? Hmm. It's actually really funny. So imperfectly perfect. (laughs) Let's just say that. Because I said once to my husband, I was like, I should write a book on perfectionism Mm -hmm. because it's like something I really struggled with. And his comment just made me laugh so much. He was like, you'll never finish it. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that. Um, So yeah, probably like, I don't know, I call my plants that. I'm like, they're imperfectly perfect because they have flaws, but they're perfect just like they are. Yeah, my initial podcast name was Perfectly Imperfect Musician Podcast. Oh, I love it. We're on the same same page. (laughs) Except I have to change it because there was another person literally named exactly the same. I already included it in my first podcast. I talked about the concept of it. 
I agree. Like we are all perfectly imperfect. Yeah. And it's, it's actually impossible to be perfect. As soon as you realize that, you're like, oh, okay. Phew. <laughs> like takes a weight off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the last question, if there's one thing that you want my listeners to take away today, what that would be? Uh, okay. So I read this really amazing book recently, um, Essentialism. Have you heard of it? Yes. I'm reading it. Yeah, it's brilliant. He talks about in it, like above all else, just protect the asset, protect yourself. Like you can't pour from an empty cup. It's that thing. So that would be my one takeaway like just look after yourself put yourself first put boundaries in and realize that you've only got a limited capacity like you've only got that one cup you can't just magically be like i'm gonna have three cups now like you can't that's that's scientifically impossible in this situation so be okay with knowing that you either you know you've got to divvy that that energy level of the cup over all the things that you do and there's no more once it's run out it's run out there's only so many hours in a day there's only so much energy you have in a day. And it's that thing that the cup won't refill properly if you don't get enough sleep yeah. and you don't look after yourself. Mm-hmm. So give yourself the best possible chance by refilling your cup 100% by looking after yourself because yeah. you'll either start to have less and less like reserves. Mm-hmm. Or I think the picture in my mind is like, you know, if you don't really properly replenish it, uh, sleep well, our cup can be cracking mm. and it can be leaking. So it so doesn't no matter how much you fill, it can already initially mm. become less. Mm. Yeah, It's already leaking out. Oh, I like that analogy. It's <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> Well, great. It's so glad to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. How can listeners get to connect with you? Yeah, so you can head over to my Instagram, which is probably the easiest. It's just at Anna Elaine. And I also have Facebook in that as well, uh, but I'm most active on Instagram. And then we also have um, our music business account, Morton Music Online. So it's on Instagram mm-hmm. and our website, mortonmusic.online. Yeah. Nice. So. Great. So you guys know how to connect with Anna and yeah. uh, check out the new program. Yeah, that one is thehipmethod.com. Yeah, but you can get that through our website as well. So I just want to say thank you again for our guest today, Dr. Anna, for joining our show. And I really hope you find today's episode helpful. If you are going through a burnout, please remember that you're not alone and it's okay to feel stress, to feel anxiety. And please be kind to yourself and be compassionate to yourself. Be sure to check out our blog post for this episode at amywongviolin.com slash podcast. And subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and whatever podcast platform you use. And please download this episode. It means the world to me. If you can leave a review and share the biggest takeaway and aha moment with your friends and also on iTunes. And if you have any thoughts on today's episode or topics that you would like me to further discuss, email me at thrivexdrive at gmail.com. Thanks again. And talk to you guys next week with another solo episode on releasing your emotions. And make sure to check out the link in the description for the Skillshare 2 month free trial so you can use the weekend to learn some self-care tools and help yourself to re-energize for our next week and talk to you all next friday bye for now